words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Hi, good morning, church. My name is Ogo, and I'm a student in Bethel. <laughs> I'm just as ordinary and simple as every single person sitting here. Yes, Pimo. I live in awe of the beauty of who God is. I just think he's such a beautiful, beautiful, I, can, I don't even know how to describe it. As I stood there, I just felt as you worshipped, I just felt just the beautiful presence of God. And I just felt like God said, that's all I want you to gaze on. As we sang, the last song we sang now, I was like, if I really had to describe my life, it would be those last words that said, you rescued me so that I can stand and sing, I am a child of God. If I summed up my whole life existence, is that I, I be the evidence of who God is. If anybody knows me here, my friends will tell you that this is the same thing I say all the time. One of the things I'm the most in awe of is that I get to be the living proof of Christ on earth. That compels me. I no longer have the luxury to do me. We, you know, in a world where we're so woke and it's my truth and it's my, you know, my boundaries. I don't have that luxury. I don't have luxury to just be me and express myself just as I want. Someone died on the cross. Someone bore the, the shame. Someone endured the stripes so that I can have the life that I have. The only thing I live for is that people can see me and say, truly there's Christ. That is what compels me. That's the only thing I live my life for. I'm a very simple person. There are some, I don't have the biggest drama. I don't have the greatest. Okay, that's, it. that's false humility. I have some drama. I do. And I would say that because I'm genuinely working on false humility. So I'll tell you a bit about myself. My name is Ogotufu. I was born in Nigeria. I gave my life to Christ when I was four years. The funny thing is, I begged him that I didn't have to say this part today, but we're working on some things. I gave my life to Christ when I was four years old in a dream. So I'm a bit of a weirdo. I, God raised me through dreams. A bunch of the foundations of my belief if I told you, it would be something he showed me in dream. The, re the dream realm is a real realm for me. It's not, till date as an adult, if I have a difficult situation and I, I need to know what it is and I feel like I'm not hearing, I'm looking forward to sleep so that I can spend time with God and he would talk to me in the dream. Dreams are real for me. It's not, I don't know how to explain it. It's not just imagination. It's actually a realm I've, he, I can't explain it. He takes me to. I remember the first time I saw the movie Inception, I was like, oh my gosh, because I always had dreams and dreams. I had dreams where I'm with him and he's showing me a dream. I've had times where I wake up in the dream and I know I need to wake up in real life. So that's all I have. All I have is my encounters and my journey with God. 
And every time I remember being a pastor when he was saying in undergrad, and I honestly hated it because I respect pastors. It's a lot of responsibility. If you're not called, you have no business doing it. And I remember coming out and I saying, saying to God, I don't want to, the first time he called me to be a pastor, I was like, what am I going to say? And I remember the scripture he gave me was the scripture in Matthew that says, when you go before them, don't think of what to say. I was like, well, if you're going to make me a pastor, then you figure out what you want to tell them every single time you put me in front of them. If you make me go through the torture of standing in front of people to speak, then you figure out what you're going to speak. I feel like that's the wisest thing that happened to me because I no longer have the pressure to figure out the best thing to say. I'm like, okay, Pastor Mo said, let me tell you guys, I've spoken here before. Many years ago, Pastor Mo was so scared he couldn't tell the pastors that I was coming to preach because he couldn't guarantee that I would show up because he knew <laughs> just how I've, it, I'm not a shy person. I think you can tell. It's just not what I would choose. But I've realized that he's saved me. He's been with me so that I can stand and say, I am a child of God, and I owe him that much. So for every time I get over myself, it's because I'm in awe of your privilege and the opportunity to stand and say, I am a child of God. So on that note, I just want to say it's such a privilege to be here. It's such a privilege, Pastor Mo, for you to really, really know me and think that you can give me the mic to come and speak to the church. I want to thank you guys that are looking at me and listening and haven't stood up to walk away yet. <laughs> um, so back to my story. I, I've learned to walk. I, I, was, I am in awe of the man Enoch in the Bible. One of my favorite scriptures, I know that sounds weird, is Genesis. I find that every time I go back to Genesis, 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 but I'm in love with Enoch. And it was because as a child, I heard, I read a verse that said, Enoch was the first man that was no more. There is no story of the grand, great things he did in the Bible. We only get a verse that says, and he walked with God and was no more. I was blown away. For me, see, this is how I see the Bible. God created us and decides that he's going to create a book that will be a manual for us. And I'm sure you are aware that there are so many stories that he makes in the Bible. And God is a very intentional God. But then he intentionally picked every single verse, every single passage, because he needed that, he knew that that was what all we needed. So as you read, as I read every verse in the Bible, I'm stopping and asking, why did I need to know that? And I remember as a child reading that, what he said to me was, just so that you know that it was not about the great things he did, but because he walked with God, I said, that's all I want to do. And from, I think I might have been eight, that has been my cry. I just want to walk with you. I just want to walk with God. I mean, I've taken it to the extreme sometimes. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I don't care if anybody sees me. It's become an idol sometimes. I just, because it's way easier to keep my simple, intimate life with God. It's easier for me to control that way. 
I don't want to have to be out there and then have to worry about what people say, how people misunderstand me, how, you know, how my word affects. It's way easier for me to just stay in my corner. But God has been saying to me, that's not what I've called you to. I'm still struggling. I'm not telling you something I've already overcome. I'm still struggling. So what I feel like God wants us to talk about today, when Pastor Mo called me and told me that you've been talking about missions, I grew up asking God why a lot. Every time I read a scripture, I stop and say, okay, why? And when he told me missions, the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, okay, God, what is a missionary? That's simple. Everybody knows what a missionary is. A missionary is someone who goes, especially it's a Christian word, but he goes to another city or another town or another country to represent the gospel of Christ. And he took me back to a story when I thought that he called a time in my life when I felt like he had called me to be a missionary. I packed my bags and I went to Mozambique. Has, does anybody know Heidi Baker? Or heard of Heidi Baker? Yes. So I was like, yes greatest missionary. I'm about to sell everything and just go and be in the dearth of Mozambique. And it was such a beautiful experience. I'll talk about that. But it was in that moment he started to tell me every single one of us, we're all missionaries. We're here on earth for a mission. We're here do we know that scripture that says we're not of the world? How many of us believe that? We're all missionaries. But for some reason, we've always looked at mission as just the people that go to the poorest of the poorest or go to the dearth and poor, broken places. That's true. But that's a different kind of missionary. That's a missionary on the field. But in your every single day life, in your waking and in your breathing, you're a missionary. And... The next conversation I had with him was, so why then did you make us? Like, if you brought us here. And I went to Genesis. He took me, I told you that. It always goes back to Genesis. I went to Genesis 1. Have we, do we all know the, the business book that says starts with why? And the whole point of the story is that before you do anything, ask yourself why. Discover the Why? So this is me asking him, why are we here? Why did you make us? What's the point? And he took me to Genesis chapter 1 when he decided to make man. So can you please help me turn your Bibles to Genesis 1? Verse 26. And God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over all of the earth, over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him male, female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over all living creature that moves upon the sea. And he said to me, we have 
made the blessing our commission or our purpose. This is just verse 29, 28 said, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful. But we can assume that our purpose on earth is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. What does it say? That's the blessing. So that means, let's go back again. Obviously, that's not why. There's a why. So let's go to 28. Let us make man in our image. Why did he make man? To be in his... Please now, help me. Why did he make man? Did he make man to be blessed? Blessing was after he made man, right? Please just follow me. It's really simple. Do you see how we go about so much hustling? You know, I'm sure every human being asks this question. What is the point of life? Especially if you're Nigerian and you live in Lagos, because life is hard. It's such a toll. It's a lot of hustling and such an emptiness. And he said to me, because we've made the blessing our focus. If you look at everything you're hustling about, you can break it down to trying to be fruitful, trying to, be multi trying to multiply, trying to take over. That's, think about it. Everything you're hustling for. So you can see that. If I even had to say it, we still live under the curse. Because when man fell and got cursed, what did he lose? The ease of this blessing. So I want you to, let's start playing this game. With, in fact, me, one of my favorite books I read was um, Wild Goose Chase. And I've said to God, ah, this life is an adventure. That's one thing I figured. Me and you will play this game of life. And I find that as I read his word, I start to see the simplicity. And you know how we say hidden in plain sight. And I made up my mind. I said, okay, God, my life will no longer be determined by a blessing you gave me. I'll still come to this, but please follow me. So if... What would my life look like if I decided to start with why and make my why my purpose, the why of my creation, which is to be in the image of Christ? Another thing I just want to highlight as I go to where I'm going is in verse 2, he, we hear another creation story where he forms man from the dust of earth and he breathes life into man and made him a living being. We all know what breath, we all know what that represents, right? It's like, so that also tells us that he made us spirit first, and then he breathed his life for, into us. I'll tell you another conversation. I, pr I promise you, I pray that it will make sense eventually. I have always wondered and asked him, this, this story of the fall of man, some of it don't, doesn't add up. You said that you don't tempt man. So why then did you create 
a tree that would tempt him and make him fall. So we had this conversation. We started to talk and he said to me, Ogo, let's read it. Um, Genesis 3, yes. And let me read this part. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. Let me, let me do a disclaimer. Remember, I'm not Pastor Mo. I'm just Ogotchuhu. So I'm only just sharing my own personal conversation. Don't take it to the bank, okay? Um, he said to me, Ogo, if you had to, what do you think the knowledge of good and evil is? Can you guys think about that with me? What's the knowledge of good and evil? At first, I thought wisdom. But if, you, if the knowledge of good and evil was wisdom, ah, common sense would be common, like we say in Nigeria, right? Because from eating the fruit, everybody gets wisdom. Every, can we say that, the, that humanity is known for being wise? So surely it is not wisdom. Are you, do you guys agree with me so far? Okay. So he starts asking me, knowledge of good and evil. It is not the introduction of good and evil. It is that you now know and you can tell the difference. If you need to tell the difference of something, what are you doing? You're judging a matter. Judgment is the knowledge of good and evil. Now, again, I've warned you, you cannot take it to the bank. He said to me, and remember, have you noticed that the devil is not a blatant liar? He's a good liar. That's why he's believable, right? He never tells it lie. The devil never tell, can never see green. That, what do we call it? Madness. He can never tell you, he can never see green and tell you he's black and you believe it. That's called madness. In fact, the world even now knows the difference between mental illness and, do you get it? If the devil is tempting you, he's tempting you with something that is very close to true. He said to them, you will be like God. So there was some truth there. You know what God said to me? Judgment was, as I made you in my image, there was one part of me that I reserved. Judgment. You know, the Bible tells us that leave judgment for who? The Lord. He said, that tree truly did make man like God. But they accessed a part of him that was not his intention at that time for them to have an access to. Are we together? There's a place I'm going. And then he starts telling me, Ogotchuku, remember that when Jesus came, he kept saying, so if the sin problem, what did Jesus solve for us? The sin problem. He bled, he endured everything to redeem us from our sin. But was that, in, was that all? He kept saying, it is... Someone will come after me. In fact, he even told them, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. And the, Holy Spirit, and the Lord said to me, if sin was the only human problem, Christ 
would have been enough. But the Holy Spirit then came because in his original intention, the plan for man, as we see in Genesis, was that man would live out of fellowship with God. That our decisions and the life, the things that we do, will not be from our own understanding of right and wrong, but will be from our being led by the Spirit of God. So even though eating that fruit made us fall and removed us from the blessing, Jesus restored us to that and then told us to wait till we receive the Spirit so that then we can live in the fullness of the life that he called us to live. But you know what Christians we've done for so long? We've focused on just the same problem. We repent and we try to do good, but we never still go back to the original intention, which is to live out of fellowship. That's why we're hustling, because it's the blessing before the curse. And I'm not saying life is not hard. I'm not saying, let me tell you, like I said, I'm a student in Bethel. I'm in my 30s. I gave up a life in Nigeria to come be doing missionary work, waking up every day and not knowing where money is going to come from. It's hard. So I'm not trying to paint a picture of a perfect life. That's not what I'm saying. But if there's anything I will tell you, I love my life. There is so much I don't have, but there is a peace that no money can ever buy for me. And I will, ever, I will forever live for that peace and be broke. It is not his intention for me to be broke. I'm just telling you. So I'm begging us to first start with, as we're going into missions, there's a reason why I want us to first understand our why. Why we're here. I want us to understand it first. So, you know... I used to struggle a lot. You know, one of the questions, conversations I used to have asked God is sometimes, you know, when you look at the Christian life, there's a lot of do's and don'ts and things you don't do. And I used to, you know, whine with God. And he said, oh God, you obeying my commandments is not for me. It's for you. The things that you expose yourself to by the doors that we open into our lives does not change who God is. It only puts you in trouble. So when we're struggling to live, when we see living by his word as a chore, it's because we still haven't understood that all of this is his love for us. It's like he's created you and he's figured that I know the way for you to live a perfect life. And the only way you can live that perfect life is that you live it with me. So that tension we have of obeying or not obeying, we're doing ourselves. Every time you step out of not working with him, it's you that you're doing. It's not him. You know, yes, my life honors him. But in honoring him is for me to live in the life he has created me to live as he has created me to live it. So we need to, when the Bible is telling us, be transformed by the reign of our minds, it is for his, our own good. Okay? So, if he made us to be in his image, another thing I wonder is, God knew the circumstances of this world at the time that he was creating it. 
it wasn't a perfect world, but he still chose to put us inside it. So that means he has a plan for how we exist in our imperfect world, right? So remember, what I'm trying to explain to you is our why. Why did Jesus tell us he came? Can anybody just randomly, do you remember what, what Jesus said he came for? Like in his words, not Pastor Mo, can somebody just say what they remember? Anybody? Okay. What's the, what's the more reoccurring thing he said? I've come to reveal the Father. Abi, that's one of the things he kept saying. I only do what I see my father do. This is another thing Jesus said to me. He said to me, I've asked, I actually asked him this question. As we were talking about this, you know, fall of man. And he said to me, again, if my only problem was so that Jesus would die on earth and save man, eh? he can come on, he can come today as a man, Jesus can do anything. He made a virgin to give birth to a child. So a, a man can drop from earth. So he could have made him drop on, on we said he died on Easter Friday. So he can come on Tuesday, right? Then die on Friday and resurrect on Sunday. So surely it was not just about him dying. How many of you go back to the Bible to read again and again and again, the story of the death of Christ. What is the thing that identifies us the most when we read it? His life. As we read, we're amazed at the life that we live. Our faith is in the lives of the people before us and the life that Jesus lived, right? And God starts to say to me, he came to show us. So as we fell, we forgot who we are. Then Jesus came to show us again who we are. So as you read the Bible, he's revealing, when he says the firstborn, is that, and when he's saying greater work shall you do, is that I have come to show you what's living as, what you're meant to live as is. So when we live and watch and read the word of God, it is a story of who you are. So when we hear him say, I have come to reveal the Father, we're hearing him say, you too have come to reveal the Father. For me, my only concern on this earth, I, I like telling the story. I have a friend, I have a very dear friend, who, and I feel like God used this story to sink it in for me. I met my friend at a point where my friend wasn't sure whether they believed in God anymore. Mind you, remember, you know, I've been a pastor. I did all those evangelism. My parents didn't allow us to enter bus, but I probably would have been one of those people that would get up in the bus and preach. I was that radical back then. And I met this person. I had a dream. I've told you, everything is dream. And in my dream, God had told me this person. I didn't know who he was, but God had told me that I was going to introduce this person to you. He didn't tell me the person didn't believe in God. And he said, I just want you to love this person. Don't preach at this person. Ah, this is Pastor Gotufu back then. Don't preach to this person. Don't try to take this person to church. Love this person. Live out your life with me around this person. Then I met this person. 
and it turns out that this person didn't believe in God. I was like, oh, I see. I see why he said that. And all I would say is, I didn't do anything. All I did was love this person, live out my life with God with this person. And this, my dear friend, now works with God. I didn't preach. I don't even know. Maybe I've prayed for my, I prayed, yes. But I want you to know, people don't become what we tell them. People become what we show them. My dear brothers and sisters, preach the gospel, but I want you to know that your life speaks more. We have come to reveal the Father. We are missionaries on earth. My whole existence, I live with the compelling responsibility to Christ that when the Bible says creation awaits the manifestation of the sons of men, what I hear is the creation is looking at me and saying, who is your Christ? Your every waking moment, every word you utter, consciously on I want you to I want you to live here with the weight of that responsibility it's not enough to sing oh the overwhelming reckless love of God I, I think I've told this story before I actually did have a moment where I was in my room I was on the floor crying that was my favorite song at the time I said that I cried from my eyes, my nose, my mouth, ugly. I thought I was in the heavenly heavens, like just having a time of my life with Christ. And it felt like I looked at him and he looked so unimpressed with me. And I wondered, how could I be having such a beautiful, powerful, goosebumps filled time? And you look unimpressed. And he said to me, Ogo, think about it. This song you're singing does not do anything to me. I you know that I love you. I know that you love me. It's praise is not enough that you come to me every single day singing it. The praise that I want from you is that as I reveal you, as I've loved you recklessly, you go and reveal that to people. That's the praise that I want. That as I sing of his reckless love that never fails, that stands, that what's, what's, what are the words again? Um... He's, he breaks, there's no lie he won't break down to love me. There's no, no lie you won't, no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Can we dare do that for people? As we testify of him doing that for us, can we dare stand by people and watch him tear down lies in their lives? and not judge them. You know, it's easy for us now to ridicule the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but they were doing the good and the bad thing. If you look at it, everything they did was what the Lord told them to do. And this, I remember the, the, the dream again that he gave me was the moments where they stood with the prostitute and they wanted to, st that was the right thing. If you sin, you are condemned. But because he did not live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he lived watching to see what the father was doing at every moment. He knew that in that moment, it was not to condemn the sin, but to release freedom to the sinful. 
So I want you to know, as we're thinking missions and going to nations and praying for nations, we don't go with the agenda to show them what is the right and the good or the right and the wrong, or the evil. We go in the presence of God to reveal Christ as he reveals in every moment. Have you seen in the Bible that you can never quite predict God? You can never quite predict what direction he would take. That's because the biggest thing is that we walk with him. It's not for us to ever figure it out. I, I, my personal belief is Anxiety is the boundaries that God has put in my life. Any moment I begin to feel a pinch of anxiety, I'm like, ah, I'm going to the path he has not revealed yet and it is not my business for that. So I have no business with anxiety. If, I, if he hasn't revealed it, it is not my job to worry about it. My job is to learn to live every day with him as he reveals in the moment. And I'm telling you that it is possible. It is not easy, but it is beautiful. Are we together? So, I just want us to, I remember one, you know, I had started talking about going to Mozambique. I would say maybe Mozambique has been one of, no, that's not, I would say it's, it has been the, one of the most I don't want to use the word difficult because it, it, because it didn't feel difficult in the moment. I don't know what, maybe not challenging. It didn't feel challenging, but it was the part. So at the time we went to Mozambique, Mozambique was the poorest country in Africa at the time. I don't know what the ratings are. Then we went to Pemba. Pemba was the poorest city in Mozambique. Then we went to a village in Pemba that was the poorest village, poverty in the sense that Nothing, there's no land to plant, there's no water to fish, there's no source of livelihood. The people literally live on missionaries showing up. The clothes every human being you're seeing they're wearing is the only item of clothing they have till the next missionary comes and gives it to them. There's literally no, nothing, they do nothing. I remember joking and saying that was the time that this scripture, um, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord, became a life for me because the moment they saw us, they started to scream, Ecclesia, Ecclesia. They were so excited. And we ran into what looked like a church for them. It was a building. The drums was plastic and sticks, but they constructed it nicely. I remember worshiping there and seeing these people worship. And I said, how does God deal with us? How does a person like this that has absolutely nothing stand and worship and somebody like me that has so much but still disgruntled by the ones I don't have, how does he get to look down on all of us and not feel resentment for me? They have nothing and they could worship. I have a lot, don't have some, but I'm resentful towards him in the moments I don't have. How does God do it? That's the life we all live. It's an unending cycle. He blesses you today. You're great. Then the next thing you're sad and frustrated about, and God, why? And then he blesses you with that one, and then you're great and blessing him. I remember when we, they taught us the song and we were saying, I don't remember the words now, but praise. Um, I, yes, but there was something you said after that. Do you remember? 
And I said, as, he, as we worshipped, I was like, God, my stance in life is that every, I think there was a point where you said every morning, every, no matter. And I was like, God, I'm making, for me as we were singing, it was worship, but I was making my life declaration there and saying, God, I make a commitment. That in every season, in every situation, I will stand and say, be praised. That whatever I go through, in ups and downs, you will hear me say, be praised forever and ever. So, I'm saying to you guys, let's wake up. Let's wake up to this life. Let's go back to our why. Again, I'm talking about our general why. Everybody has an an individual why in that why, right? But I want you to wake up every morning with a strong sense of an awareness. There is a why you are made in the first place. Nothing else is worth giving an attention to other than that why. Everything else is an extra. The Bible says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. What's the kingdom? It's the, the kingdom is what a king is about. That's what it is. Like there is no king. The kingdom is what a king is about. That's what a king exists for. So as you seek first what your king is about, what you exist for, but like I've pointed to you, we're going back to the blessing, thinking that that is our why. And as we're trying to make an idol of the blessing, I know this has happened to me. One of the things God also says to me is, don't make my promises, my prophetic words. We can, it's very easy, the idol. The moment I'm rising up to pray and what I'm kabashing for is, is the prophecies and the prophetic words, I'm missing something. That's my personal belief. Yes, I co-labor with God to burst the things that he's put in me, but it's still all about him. Once my biggest pursuit becomes that job, once my prayer life becomes a thing for me, I've made it an idol. My whole existence, the whole point of my existence, my missionary journey on earth, is that I see God. I see him revealed in me and I go reveal him to others. That's what I'm willing to hang my life on. I don't care if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. I'm not melancholic or sanguine. I don't care about that. I just don't have the luxury of telling you my mind because I have the, rep the responsibility of representing a kingdom. I'm human and I struggle, but I'm constantly reminding myself that the biggest point of life is that I reveal Christ. So as we pray for nations, I, you know, I loved this picture when we saw it because I had a season that I kept, you know, God kept talking to me about nations and nation. And I was like, you know, why is there so much darkness? You know, like things are happening, you know, it's, it's like it's getting worse and worse. You know, life is, God, how do we change the world? And God was like, I didn't call you to change the world. I didn't call you to change the world. I just called you to be the light that you are. And the scripture he taught me that with was, the parable of the, you know, the parable in the Bible where the parable of the wheat and the tares, he said to them, he told us that a farmer had planted wheat 
And then they wake, woke up one day and saw tears amongst them. And then their first reaction was, let's uproot the tears. And he says, leave it. I, because, remember, he's the judge. It's my job in the last day to uproot it and separate them. I said, okay, so what's my job? He said, let the wheat keep growing. Your job is that you keep putting that money. My job is not to, why is the tears? Why is, my job is that everything in me that can, I can do for that wheat to grow, I keep doing. I am light. My job is not to combat darkness. My job is that every light he gave and put in me, I shine it. And I remember the picture he gave me about the world was, it was a dream and it was a bird's eye view of earth. And, you know, we know that darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is what? The absence of light. If you wanted to make a place bright, what do you do? You bring light. And he showed me a picture. He says, what we're doing is that there is darkness and we're taking light out, trying to shine into it. It gives the person up light. It doesn't necessarily give that darkness light. And then the picture is like, I remember seeing a blank, black canvas and I started to see flickers of light suddenly start coming on, almost like this picture. And he said, the solution to the problem of the world is imagine every light rising to the light that they are. It's not one light trying to cover everywhere. It's not one light trying to do one big grand thing. It's that every light clusters and clusters of light begin to grow and improve. So I challenge you that as we worry about Nigeria and worry about nations and pray, by all means, we'll do all of that. I want you to know that the biggest contribution you have is that every light in you shines. That's your call. That's your first, you know, the Great Commission. He said to me, we've made the Great Commission the great doing. Let's read it together. Matthew, that's where I'm going to stop. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go then and make disciples of all nations. Let me pause there. Do we have an example of someone that made disciples in the Bible? Jesus. Did he do it by what? How did he make his disciples? He said, come and follow me. I don't even think we have so many stories of what he did in the lives of the disciples. They just followed him and they became disciples like him. As they saw him leave, why did they call? We know what Christian is, why they started calling them Christian. They were so much like him. So our great commission is not to go, it's not the great do, it's the great be. Then he starts to tell us the things he did. He's like, make disciples like me, teaching them to do as I did, right? But it was from him being that he did those things. 
why we always have is it's like we go after the great doing forgetting that before there was a doing he was there's a being and doing can only be real and tangible out of being that's why he says i am truth he doesn't tell truth it's who everything we see in christ is who he is not about what he did so i just want us as we rethink our existence and our life and you know going to the nations let's just remember the first was make disciples and remember go back and say how did you do it lord he just was he just revealed christ he only did what he saw christ do and their lives was forever changed so i just want to invite you guys that god is so real the first time i saw a blind man's eye open i didn't pray for 2 hours in fact i didn't even pray we it was three regular human beings none of us had seen anything we saw this man his eyes were blind in fact let me tell the story it was in mozambique and heidi called us together and he said and she said don't go and preach was he sent she was sending us to villages and houses she says go to the homes sit with them they eat a, they eat a lot of beans so pick beans with them don't knock on anybody's house trying to preach the gospel to them go and be amongst them converse with them as you communicate with them then you can talk about who you are and why you are and everything and remember that was the, that was the last time i ever went and knocked on anybody's door and say or even met anybody and my my um, my goal for you is to teach Christ to you because i saw people transformed just by being and telling the stories of who he is and on one of those occasions we walked into this man's house and he was eating and we sat with him and we just in fact frankly i could only speak english i had there was a there was an interpreter that spoke i remember what they speak now but we used two different interpreters so me one two to speak to the man so there was a general language spoken in pemba and then there was a language spoken in that village my point is it was not anything it was not about me because i literally was not the one that prayed for the man it was the guy that was speaking his language and we had finished eating and you know he had finished eating and we were talking and he's like he'd been blind he didn't know how many years because he couldn't count but he'd been blind he said almost half of his life and we said okay do you mind if we pray for you and then we put our hands on this man no we do not put our hands on him we just prayed for this man simple words and the man says ah, i think i see light we looked at ourselves like eh hey. okay let's pray again then we prayed for the guy we were also amazed and then we prayed for this guy and he says ah, he can see figures we're like ah. thank god he was blind because we truly were shocked and then we prayed a third time and this man starts to scream he could see us he was touching us he was could see us and then there's this woman who was lame and she was old and she had been bedridden again three random people prayed spent time with her prayed she got up she danced she praised the lord and she could walk and 
Miracles and miracles and miracles and stories. But I will tell you that none of it had to do with me. None of it had to do with any power that I possess more than anybody. All of it was God. I live with the compelling realization that God just wants to reveal himself through me. That's all. As I go into a place, I'm asking myself, what are you doing? I remember my dad dying two years ago. I don't even know why the story came to me, but I, that was just one last story. And I, I was incredibly close to my father. I love my dad so much. And it was very heartbreaking. And one of those days I'd cried and cried and cried, you know, and I had to go to the tailor to get measured for the clothes for the burial. So I was not in the mood. I got in the car, you know, got to this tailor's place and finished paying. In that, my moment, I noticed her face and I just had a random thought, give her a hug. I said, okay. So I gave her a hug. As I held her, I started hearing some words and I started to say it to her. And then she breaks down and starts to cry. And I think I had kind of like was saying things like, oh, I feel like there's something that you have been waiting for. I don't even remember what it was. And then she starts to tell me what those words meant to her. And it happened that she'd been married for, I don't know, maybe seven years. I don't remember now. And hadn't been able to have a child. And they had told her she had to do a surgery and there was an amount of money she needed to do the surgery. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, give her a seed and pray for her. And I gave her a seed and I prayed for her. One year later, she texts and says she's pregnant and she's just had a baby. I didn't do that. But then I dared to lean into what seemed like a subtle thought in my head. And then somebody got to encounter Christ as I got over my grief in that moment. So my point is, when you leave all about you, you will be overwhelmed by all that is about you. When your focus is all the hustle and bustle, like I told you in the beginning, then you're overwhelmed because hustle and bustle is overwhelming. We cannot make the blessing the reason why we exist. So my cry for us, my, what I'm really trying to give you guys is, can we dare go back to the beginning? I love that song, go take me back to the beginning. I can't sing, I said it. I wish I could, I would have sang it now. But can we go back to the why? Can we begin to ask him questions? Can we sit with him like little kids and begin to ponder why am I here? What are you really doing? How much more, as we cry out more, Lord, like I told you, it's not, for, it's not that God suddenly increases. I remember when he taught me that. He said that it was the scripture in, 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 um, in the Old Testament about how he comes in and then his robe fills the temple. He's like, you don't need, I don't increase. You make space in your life for more of me. That's what more Lord is. It's not that Lord became, becomes bigger. It's that we learn more ways to lay down more things, to make more space for all of us to eventually become all of him. So as we think of nations, 
let's begin to first think of the nation right next to you. That house girl, that husband, that friend, that uncle, that wife. Would you dare that as you live compelled by how much he's sacrificed for you and how he's laid down his life for you, how he never gives up on you, that you dare that you love people and don't give up on them, that you go to places he sends you and reveal him to. Can we dare, can we even do this great experiment and say, God, I've done it my way, it's exhausting. How do I do it your way, Lord? So can we, can you just stand with me? I know we're going to go into praying for nations and praying for countries, but I want us to begin to first see the nation, you, you, we are who we are. And I just want you to take a moment. I'm not going to lead you in any prayer. You, you have access to the Father. And like I always say, my story or whatever I share can never be a standard of who God is. But may it always be an invitation for you to, to go and find your life story with him. So I want you to just take this moment now and begin to intentionally lay aside weights. Just begin to lay down things that you have made idols in your life. The wrong mindsets, the things that we have, we have been consumed by, that has consumed us. Can we just take a moment and begin to say, God, I keep put my eyes on you all over again. I just confess you, God, all over again. I make, I dedicate my life that you be my true one thing, that you are my heart's desire, you are my... You're my greatest desire. You're my why. That I make a commitment, Lord, that I would live every day consciously aware of you in my life. Help us, Holy Spirit, that we constantly lay down our humanity and truly be supernatural as you've called us. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.